0: Good morning. Let's all stand up. Let's say this together. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good to be with everyone today, especially welcome to our campuses in Stevens Point and Appleton and everyone joining us online. Good to have everyone here with us today. Uh, Pastor Mark, he is uh, had a marriage event, so he was off doing that. So you can have him in your prayers as he's out doing that. And this morning, I just want to take the opportunity to kind of drill into the dig into the concept of what our role is as Christians is with expanding the kingdom of heaven what role can we play as believers doing our job to fill up heaven the good news is that this isn't our responsibility all alone by ourselves, we don't own all of it. Jesus said this, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. That this is something that Jesus is doing. It's his responsibility, but we've got a part to play in it. We call it the great commission to make God's name known in the world. So I wanna look at this morning, what our role and what our part is in doing it because we do have a responsibility in it. And eternity is a real thing. There's going to be a judgment day someday for you and for everyone that walks the face of this earth. And you will spend eternity either in a place called heaven or you will spend eternity in a place called hell away from God. That this is real and it's eternal. Jesus said this in the gospel of John chapter 14 verse 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said there's only one way into eternity with God, into heaven, and it is through Jesus Christ. The disciples in Acts, it's the it it follows these gospel stories. Jesus was crucified, died, buried, he raises again, and then the disciples are out. And they were talking to some religious leaders of the day, and they said it this way. They said in Acts chapter 4, they said, Jesus is the, cor- the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. That first phrase, the stone that you builders have rejected, which has become the cornerstone, they're talking to these religious leaders that were rejecting Jesus as the cornerstone. So he's talking to them and what I want to suggest is whether you would call yourself a real religious person here today or you would not. Maybe you identify as a Christian or you identify yourself not as a Christian. Maybe you just call yourself spiritual. I want to suggest that everyone is building a life that's going to head towards eternity. And if you build it on anything other than the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, you're missing the peace that holds the whole thing together. It's what they're saying, and it's whether you're a religious person or not. The second part of this verse said this, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven to which man can be saved. That we do this through the person of Jesus. So this morning, we're talking about what is our role in expanding the kingdom of heaven or how can we make known the name of Jesus and while there's a lot of different ways we could look at this concept that you might know as this word of evangelism basically making God known in the world. There's a lot of different ways you could talk about it. And by the way, we've got these great discipleship classes that have been available at all of our campuses. They happen throughout the course of the year. We've had one called uh, New Beginnings. It's just taking a look at the basics of our faith and building in these basic concepts. We've had another one called the Christian Disciplines, where we go through these concepts of prayer and reading the Bible and fasting and these other disciplines to get into your life to help you grow in your walk with God. We've had Living Under the Influence, which is a study on the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives and in this world. And this fall, we're adding a fourth one on evangelism where you can really dig into this concept and there's so many different ways that we can evangelize our world and you can dig into it further in that class but this morning, I want to look at just one simple aspect of how we can make God known in the world. And that is simply sharing your story and then saying, come and see. Sharing your story. And the reason why it's important to share your story is because nobody can argue with your story. Nobody can argue with a life that's been changed. No one can argue with you and your story and your experience with God. In First Peter chapter 3, we get a little bit of insight into how we're supposed to tell our story. Peter here, he's writing to a group of persecuted Christians. If you're familiar, this is during the time and reign of Nero. Now, Nero was a crazy guy. He was known for capturing Christians, and then he would dip them in oil or tar, and he'd set them out in his garden and then light them on fire to light up his parties at night. It was not a good time to be a Christian. They were under persecution. Many of them died as martyrs during this period of time. So this is the group of people he's writing to. And these are the group of people that continued to follow God, even though things were really, really hard. And this small group of persecuted Christians began to tell their story, and it's the reason why, one of the reasons why Rome was changed and why the small group of persecuted Christians told their story, and we're telling it today, and Christians continue to tell their story to this day, and God's word continues to spread. So we'll read about it in 1 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 15, it says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, we'll stop right there. Making Lord, Christ Lord in your life is where this whole thing starts. If you've not really surrendered your life to God, if Jesus is not Lord in your life, then your story that you tell will be empty and it'll be hollow and it won't mean very much. So step one is making Jesus Lord in your life. And then it goes on to say this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And how do you do this? It goes on and it says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ might be ashamed of their slander. The reason why people couldn't argue with the story of those in 1 Peter was because they were actually living out the story that they were trying to tell. They lived it right. So Peter here basically gives us three simple things to look at when it comes to sharing our story. He says, number one, it starts with surrendering your life to God. And number two, he says, be ready to share your story with those who ask. That'll be important, those who ask. And number three, he says, when you tell your story, be gentle, be respectful, be of good conscience, be a person that's actually living out the words that you're talking about. So I want to dig into this verse just a little deeper with us here this morning. And the first phrase that I want to look at is, number one, be ready to answer those who ask. And this is important because this implies we don't have to talk to everything that moves and breathes or even if it doesn't breathe, right? We don't have to talk to everyone and flip every conversation into a conversation about Jesus Christ. And we've been around and we've heard stories from people that probably have a bit of an evangelical gift about them. They have the ability to go evangelize and really make God's name known. They're the person that walks into a shoe store and that shoe salesman's down on his knees putting on the shoes and that person asks him if they've accepted Christ and that person right there on the spot meets Jesus. We've heard stories like that or the person that can go into a restaurant and talk to the waitress about God and she gets saved and we can't even get a second cup of coffee out of that girl, right? Some people just flat out have that gift and we've put the pressure on ourselves to kind of operate that way. But we don't have to talk to everyone about it, we have to talk to those who ask, right? Like for example, the Bucks won last night, that's pretty awesome, right? Someone's happy, like three of us, I know. But hey, Bucks won last night. They won in the last second. Well, speaking of last seconds, if you were to die, say, in these next few seconds, do you know where you would go? We don't have to turn a conversation about the Bucks into a conversation about Jesus. Or maybe Brett Favre, he's coming back to Lambeau Field, right? And, and converting that story into a story about the prodigal son who lost his way and went to Minneapolis and... He's found his way home. We don't have to turn every conversation we have into a story about God. We have to be ready to give an answer to those who ask. So that's number one. Number two, we need to give the reason for the hope that you have. And this is important because we don't have to give the answers to the hope that we have as the church. There's a big difference. If we had to give the hope that we have, that would infer that we have to have all the answers. We have to have it all figured out. We'd have to explain Christianity and all the hard things like why is there evil in the world or some obscure question about the Old Testament or understanding all kinds of doctrines or the history of the the church. He doesn't say it give the answer for the hope that we have. He says give the answer for the hope that you have, right? Not many of us would be equipped to do the other. That would be a tough task. We simply need to answer have the answer for the hope and confidence that you have in God. And for many of you, that hope and confidence might be really simple. In fact, it might be a really boring story. But it's the reason that you have and it's the reason that you want to give. Your story might be something like this. One day I decided to start going to church. And I started learning how we're called to live. And I started doing that. And in the process, I found out about this person of Jesus. And ever since, life just seems to work a little bit more the way it should. That's it. If that's your story, that's the story that you want to share. In fact, that's a lot of people's story. Or maybe it's, you know what? I grew up in a Christian home. And I just kept staying connected with God. And I started learning things. Like I learned about the secret to being content in all situations. So whether I've got a lot or I've got little, whether I'm in great health or I'm sick, I've learned the secret to life, which is being content in all situations. And I've learned this stuff by connecting in with God and the church. If that's your story, then that's the story that you want to tell. I met with a guy this past week and we were talking about his story. I said, well, tell me your story. His story was, man, I grew up in a Christian home And then when I went to college, I just stopped going to church. And man, I really disconnected with my faith. In fact, I forgot how to pray. Man, I forgot that I knew all these Bible verses. I forgot all these things that I knew. And for five or six years, he didn't go to church and totally disconnected with God and just kind of lived out in the world and partied and did all of these things. And then one day his brother had a kid and it was his nephew. And he looked at himself in the mirror and he thought, you know what, this isn't the kind of guy I wanna be. This isn't how I was raised. I want to do life differently. And he started going to church. He found himself at Celebration Church and he's been coming ever since. And his life has been transformed. If that's your story, that's the story that you want to tell. So number one, you you have to experience God in your life. You have to surrender and make Christ Lord of your life. Number two, you've got to be able to whatever I just said. You got to tell your story. Number three, Our attitude is as important as what we say. So Christ needs to be Lord in your life. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, your story. Number three, have the right attitude. Peter said the way we do this is with gentleness. He says we do it with respect, and we do it with good conscience, actually living this thing out. Those three things are the three chords that make up the music that goes with our words. That's the tune. That's the music that makes it up. You could have the most poetic words in all the world. You could have the greatest love song ever written. And if the music stinks, nobody's going to want to listen to your song, right? You got to actually live this thing out. You could have all the answers. You could have half the Bible memorized. You could have gone to Bible college. But if you're a jerk instead of gentle, right? Who wants to be around that Christian that's a jerk? or if you're arrogant instead of respectful, that's a lot of fun to be around, or if you're living two different lives instead of living with good conscience, actually living this thing out, then the music that you're playing is gonna sound horrible and no one's gonna wanna listen to your song. And you can do more harm for the kingdom of God than good, which is why Peter tells us, do this with gentleness, respect, and with good conscience. Earlier in 1 Peter, he talks about this and he says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And he says this in verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they will accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Peter goes on in this section of the Bible. He says the way that you do this is by getting along with fellow believers. Nothing looks worse to the world around us than a bunch of people that can't get together. And if the church cannot get along, no one's going to want to listen to what we have to say. He says you do this by showing respect. He says you do this by living right. He says you do this actually by respecting your government leaders. Who's in charge at this time in history? Nero, the guy that's killing Christians, right? He says you do this by showing respect to people. If our music isn't good, no one's going to want to listen to our song. In 1 Peter 3, he gives an example and he talks about how this plays out in marriage and he says if there's one of the, if there's like the husband and he goes to church and the wife doesn't, they're talking about how you win over a spouse who is an unbeliever. Very common. A lot of times people, maybe it's the husband or the wife that first starts coming to church. Maybe it was a tragedy or someone got sick or you lost a loved one or something like that in your life and for some reason they start coming to church. Well, maybe the spouse doesn't and the question's asked, well, how do I win? Over my spouse, and he says, You don't even have to use words if you live right, it's how you can win your spouse over. So, we can't, as we see, just have all the words and no right living, and we can't just live right and have no words to say. And sometimes the words we have are just boring, or they're simple, or it's not all that exciting, but you know what? They're your words and it's your story, and great lyrics or bad lyrics even, boring lyrics. You put boring lyrics to a great song and it can be powerful and impactful. We've all experienced that, right? The worst lyrics, and, but if the song is catchy, you just can't get it out of your head. A story that isn't all that exciting, when the music is right, it's very, very powerful. You know, we had, uh, we're in the middle of April here in Wisconsin and didn't we have awesome weather last week? Snow falling, so exciting. So it got me thinking of Christmas, you know, and Christmas songs and Christmas songs. They're so happy and they're so exciting and the lyrics are usually pretty lame, right? They're not all that great, but the music, it makes it exciting. You think about Santa Claus is coming to town. Those lyrics aren't all that great, but man, you're just so happy and they play it in the mall and little Michael Jackson is singing it. And you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming and people want to buy stuff and they get all excited and they start making Christmas cookies and it's really exciting. But I thought, you know what? What if you change that music and instead of it being all happy and clappy with young Michael Jackson singing it, what if it was kind of a dark morose song? What if you changed it? So we're going to try that out just now. Santa Claus is coming to town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and who's nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. (laughs) He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or if you're good. So you better be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. and You better not cry and you better not pout. I'm going to tell you why. Because Santa Claus, he's coming to town. Right? The music. The music makes a big difference. So I want to finish up with just a couple stories from the Bible of people who had a story to tell. And then they said come and see what this thing is all about. The first one we'll look at is in John chapter 1. The Gospel of John starts starts out with John the Baptist and he's a guy who was going around and he was preaching repentance and he was baptizing people. And John comes or Jesus comes up to John and asks him to baptize him. And this is a really important part of Jesus' story, and it's recorded in all four of the gospel narratives. And he goes up to him and says, baptize me. And they talk about it, and John decides to do it. And in this moment of Jesus being baptized, we see the heavens open up. Uh, God the Father speaks. The Holy Spirit descends, and you get this great picture of the Trinity. And then John says, man, don't follow me. He's talking to his disciples, which simply just means to Followers of John, he's saying, Don't follow me, go follow this guy. Come and see what this guy is up to. And that's where we'll pick up the story. John chapter 1, verse 35, it says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, that guy right there, he's the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they went and they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. So Jesus calls them and says, come and let's see what this thing's all about. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. And he went and told him, man, come and see what this is all about. We have found the Messiah. That is Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, Come and see. Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip went and found his buddy Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one whom the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Na- and, and Philip replies, Nazareth? Can anything good possibly come from Nazareth? It's like the UP. Can anything po- good possibly come from the UP? Yeah! A lot of good stuff. Actually, don't they have like a show called like the Real Housewives of the UP or something like that? I heard something about that. I don't know if it's true or not. Be a good, good TV show. Anyhow. So he sees him coming, and then Nathanael, he goes and follows, but he's like, "'Why should I go do this?' Philip replied, "'Come and see.'" And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, "'Here is truly an Israelite in whom which there is no deceit.'" "'How do you know me?' Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, "'I saw you while you're still sitting under that fig tree before Philip called you and said, "'Come and see.'" Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, surely you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Philip here, he didn't have all the answers. He just responded and said, come and see. Nathanael said, all right, I guess I'll go see what this thing's all about. And then Jesus started to take over from there. He simply said, come and see. Sometimes it's okay if we don't have all the answers. In fact, It's hard to have all the answers for this stuff. That's okay. If you don't know the answer, then the answer is, I don't know. And that's a perfectly good answer. Just say, come, let's see what this thing is all about. And once Nathaniel did, go and see, Jesus began to work. A lot of times that's all we've got is just come and see. A lot of you, that's your story. Maybe you're at one of our campuses today. And the reason why you're there is because someone talked to you and they said, come and see. So you came to see what this thing was all about and you just kind of stuck around and you began to experience God in your life. And some of you, maybe you've only been coming for a couple weeks. you've been coming only for two, three weeks, but you said some, you've had some friends and you said, hey, why don't you come and see what this thing is all about? And your friends have come to see what it's all about and people are starting to experience God. It's one of the greatest things we can do to expand the kingdom of heaven is to simply tell your story, even if it's simple. And most of our stories are really, really simple. And then say, come and see. And you know what? When God's word is preached, lives are changed. If there's one thing you can take home today is simply this, tell your story and then say, come and see, and then let God begin to work. In John chapter four, we'll finish with this story. This is the story of the woman at the well. A lot of you might be familiar with this story. It's the story of Jesus. He's at this well, and there's a Samaritan woman that comes to the well. And if you know anything about this point in history, Jewish people and Samaritans, they weren't supposed to talk to each other. They didn't get along. So they're not supposed to talk. And so this woman comes, and not only is she a Samaritan, she's also a woman. He's not supposed to be talking to this woman. So he comes, and you know what Jesus does? He actually engages this girl in conversation. They begin talking about the water that she's pulling out of the well, and they're having this conversation. And the conversation starts talking with Jesus saying, you know, I've got some living water that if you take a drink of this water, you'll never be thirsty again. And she's interested, and she said, you know what, I'd like to learn a little bit more about that water. And Jesus said, sure, I'll tell you more, but why don't you go get your husband, come back, and we'll talk about this living water. And that's where we'll pick up the story. John chapter 4, verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and this guy you're shacking up with now, you're not even married to this guy. What you said is quite true, the woman replied. I can see that you're a prophet. And then jumping down to verse 28, it says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see this man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this possibly be the Messiah? And they came out of the town where they lived, and they went towards Jesus. Verse 39, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, which was, he told me everything that I ever did. That's it. That was it. That was her story. This guy, Jesus, this person that talked to me, told me this stuff about my life. I can't believe it. Why don't we go see what this is all about? And so they went and many lives were changed because of this woman's story. God took over and people began to be changed. This story is powerful and your story is powerful. Let me encourage you that as you live life with your neighbors and with your coworkers or with your teachers or fellow students, friends and family, wherever your feet tread, ask where God might be opening up a door in your life, where people might be saying, why are you a Christian? What's the reason for your hope? Why are you so confident in God? What? Why is it that you go to church and when people ask, be ready to share your story and then say, come and see. You know, a lot of people, they start out very antagonistic towards Christianity. This isn't all people, But more and more in this world, some people are just antagonistic towards it. They don't like Christianity. They don't like Christians. They think that maybe Christians are crazy or jerks or old-fashioned or irrelevant or whatever their reason is. But when the music of your life is good, you're actually living this thing out. You're gentle, you're respectful, and you're living this life out. If the music is good and you've got your story to tell of how Jesus changed your life, and then you say, come and see." If that person comes and they see what this is all about, they've just moved from being antagonistic towards Christianity to being indifferent. And in this moment, you've done something tremendous for the kingdom of God. And indifferent people will eventually move to being open people towards God. And once you're open, it doesn't take long before you begin to experience God in your life. You simply need to play your part. Let's pray. Father God, we just come to you right now. Lord, I pray for those here in particular that maybe have not made you Lord of their lives. God, I pray that there would be something that happens this morning, God, and they, they would move from being open to you to actually experiencing you and making you Lord of our lives. God, I pray that we would be people that have experienced you, that we learn what our story is and be able to share it as simple as it may be, and that we would be people that would be gentle and respectful, and that we would live this thing out, that it wouldn't just be words that ring empty, but that we actually live this life to which you've called us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.